This episode is brought to you by Klaviyo.com. It's an email marketing tool that I've been using for the past year or so with my marketing clients. And what I like about it is that it can integrate with a shopping cart or the history so that it's easy to segment, optimize, and personalize, and even measure your email marketing campaign. So besides of the basic e-commerce email flows like cart abandonment, upsells, winbacks, and all that stuff, you can also retarget people on Facebook that haven't opened your email campaigns to get them to come back to your store, which is pretty cool. And that's just one of the many things that Klaviyo can do and why thousands of store owners have used them. So check them out for free today, clavio.com, uh, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. And it's free for your first hundred users, so make sure to sign up for that today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Terry Lynn here today with a solo episode. So today's idea kind of came from Travis last week where he was asking me about, you know, making his Kickstarter landing page and designing the actual page on the campaign. So today I just want to talk about five elements of a successful crowdfunding campaign page. So if you're looking to do a Kickstarter or Indiegogo, this might help you because um, I had a campaign last year. Uh, that did 300% over the goal and also one before that that did completely fail uh, to raise less than 10%. So I think this episode is kind of the lessons that I've learned uh, from both campaigns. And so if you want to do one in the future, maybe this can help you out. So number one is story. And the big question to ask yourself here is why are you doing this? Do you really care about this project or this idea you have? Or are you just trying to make money on Kickstarter? Because I think there was a time on Kickstarter a couple years ago where people were like, hey, you know, I, this guy's making some watch or a journal. Uh, or some bag, I'm just gonna do something similar and kind of raise money and get 100K, 200K when it's actually not the case anymore. So I think the thing to think about is what impact are you trying to make with the story? You know, why are you doing this project? Whose life are you trying to change? What pain point does this solve? Or does it provide pleasure? Uh, because really, if your story's not nailed down, uh, that's really the 80-20 of your project. It's like, if you can't really define why it should exist and who should care about it, then why are you asking people for money? Because right, you're asking people for to give maybe $10, $20, $100, maybe even more if you're doing like a tech project. So you really have to nail this down, I think, no matter what field you're in, whether it's food, tech, you know, textiles, journals, or whatever. It's like really nail down your story because this is also something that makes you stand out from big brands too. It's like Because say you're buying a your own notebook, why not just go to the stationery store and buy something from Staples or any other bookstore, right? So this is your chance to really stand out uh, for you as a creator and also as a brand, kind of like your origin story in those superhero novels on why you should exist and why people should pay attention to you. So one thing to also consider is how crowded is the messaging USP? So I think if you look at Kickstarter a couple years ago, I think 2002 to 2014, uh, everyone was trying to make sunglasses out of wood, uh, wooden watches, things like that. And then 2014, you have people trying to make travel bags, all this stuff, uh, maybe even more luxury watches. There's a big segment of the market that was pushing the direct to consumer, no middleman type of business model. And it's kind of a crowded space to go that way now. So it's also, like I said, with the story, you know, if you're going direct to consumer, uh, no middleman, like, well, why else makes you special? Like, why should someone pay attention to you too? And I think that's like a real honest question you got to ask yourself to find the right answer to because I think if you can't find the right answer you're not going to really have clarity in terms of the campaign and when you don't have clarity uh, it bleeds into your marketing efforts and you know who you're targeting how you're getting them to pay attention to you and getting them to go to your page sign up for your email list all that stuff and it, the le less clarity you have the more difficult all that stuff is and I think that applies not just to crowdfunding but a lot of business stuff too whether it's your own e-commerce store Amazon stuff like you know clarity is such a critical thing that I've learned I think in the past year or two Okay, number two is products. So how does it work and what makes it special, right? I think a lot of 
the stuff on Kickstarter comes down to: Do you have a cool product? Do you have a good product? Uh, is it something that's easily shareable too? In the sense that, if I'm having a coffee or beer with my friend, can I just talk about him on what I saw on Kickstarter really quick in like 30 seconds so that he understands it and that he can tell another friend, or at least it piques his interest to be like, "Hey, Terry talked about this cool thing." Uh, I'll remember it. I'll write it out on my phone. Maybe I'll check it out later too. And if it's too complicated, like you know, if you can't have a one-liner for that, it gets really hard to kind of get that word of mouth thing. And so I would say benefits and features. You don't want more than three to five, just because it gets too complicated. Like if you're building something with ten features that you want everyone to remember, you know, most people are only going to remember one or two things off the top of the head if they're browsing your page too. Because you think about people on Kickstarter. If you ever looked for projects yourself, you're kind of just Going to a category, you're opening up, you know, six, seven browsers on your tab. You're scrolling them through really quick, and if they don't catch your attention, you'll close the window in like ten, twenty seconds. You probably scroll through the page, go down. Maybe the video looks interesting, and then you'll play the first thirty seconds of it. And if it looks cool, you'll watch it. You'll learn more. But if it doesn't, hey, you'll just leave too. So I think that's why it's critical to really nail down your benefits and features into a one-liner,、uh, whether it's making it more catchy, very benefit-driven, and very easy to kind of share with people too. Part of this can also be explained in the FAQ section. So this is where the opportunity you get to answer any objections that may cause people not to back your project. Whether it's a, are you too ambitious?、Uh, two, are your logistics and manufacturing not spelled out right? Or three,、um, you know anything else they might have? Like maybe they think you're not going to hit your goal, or you know what else are you trying to do with this project? All that stuff too. Because when you're asking people for money, a lot of smart backers that have been on the platform for a while, we're talking people that have backed like hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of projects. Like I think these guys have a sense. Of how well committed you are as a creator, whether that how well you've thought things through from start to finish, whether it's like you know the sampling process, manufacturing, actually delivering, shipping, all that stuff, communications, like they're very very smart with this now. Whereas I think five years ago,、uh, you had a lot of like、um, people on Kickstarter that weren't as sophisticated, but now there's more and more tools too for project backers to find cool things and communities, forums, things like that too. So I think the game's been upped really really high, and so、um, as You communicate how your product works. You know, you also want to think about well, what if someone's like this, what if someone's like that, and to really wrap your head around every possible objection, and to really just get them those questions answered. Because if you can answer those questions, hey, it's easier for them to make a decision whether it's yes or no to back your campaign. All right, so video and photography. So this is the part that I put third because it actually complements the story. So if you don't have a good story,、um, you won't know what kind of photography you're going for, whether that's the video. Uh, media assets, the whole brand of the campaign, and so what I mean by this is that you know photography comes down into kind of two or three kind of categories, right? One is you have your vanilla product photos that you see, say on Amazon, with a white background, kind of studio, really boring. You know, this is what it is. It works on those things because they're listings, right? They're not really trying to go for a lifestyle image thing or kind of aspirational thing. So you think about. A brand like Chanel, you know, for women, expensive handbags, things like that. Everything they're trying to portray is about living the good life. It's a very aspirational brand, right? Whereas, say you're doing a power drill for men,、uh, it's very masculine, getting things done. Maybe use a lot of dark colors,、uh, power, you know, maybe explosions in your video or photography. So, when it comes down to story, say you have that figured out, then you can actually work your photography to tell that story along with your video too. Because you know, if you're selling. Yeah, some sunglasses outdoors. You want to be outdoors、um, in the day, preferably sunlight, right at the beach, something like that. Depending what style you're going for, or if you're selling sunglasses to construction workers, maybe you want them to be in an industrial environment, things like that. Because photography helps tell the story in a very subtle way. 
you need to figure out the story first before you can tackle your photography too. And this also goes straight into video. You know, how does your product work? You know, can you show photos of people using this product in action and to show them that, you know, hey, here's the benefits of four photos. You can see it right away. Boom. All right. You want to back it? You want to back this project? Maybe they won't think about it right away, but at least the photos accelerate that decision if they can actually visually see the benefits and then read about it and they actually work in tandem uh, to convince someone to back your project. And besides uh, product photos, lifestyle images, there's also something called hero images, uh, kind of that comes from kind of the web design software space where if you look at all these uh, software apps that you can sign up now, whether it's MailChimp, uh, Squarespace, all this stuff, uh, you'll notice on their webpage they'll have a big banner image, right? So if it's an app, maybe you'll see someone on the phone with the app, how it's being used. And these are very useful when they're communicating the overall sense of a project. And usually you'll have these either as your thumbnail of the project or maybe on your website if you have a landing page, like a hero image. And so this goes back to the photography thing, right? It's like, well, what's your story of the product and the project and how can you convey this in like one hero image too? And so if you're looking for ideas on how to brand photography or kind of get some ideas, uh, one thing that's really useful is to see how other brands are doing it whether it's on Pinterest, Instagram, uh, or on their website, and then you just save a folder on your desktop, save these images as an inspiration folder, and then once you've got, say, 100, 200, or more photos, you can then go through for a lookbook, tend to get some inspiration, kind of build like a mood board around that too that matches your story uh, with the crowdfunding campaign. Okay, number four, quotes and testimonials. So this is powerful because social proof essentially gives you backing of other people, right? So, you know, whenever you buy something new, you're always asking your friends for opinions, maybe your family, coworkers, other people. You know, what are people saying about this, right? When you go on something on Amazon, you look for reviews, you look for the top review, you look for the most critical review, and then you kind of form your own opinion. Well, you know, is this something I really want based on what other people are saying? Because as a consumer, you don't want to lose money, right? You don't want to spend money on something that doesn't deliver, that doesn't work, or maybe it's not what you think it is, and then you have to go through this time for return. There's like a fear that's kind of driving that too. And so social proof kind of helps with that too, right? So part of this with crowdfunding is a lot of times is that, well, how do I get these quotes and all this stuff, right? So one thing you can do is as you're prototyping your product, um, you can start getting this feedback during the sampling process. So, you know, say like Travis, he's making uh, nut butter, right? So he can make, you know, 20 bottles in his kitchen, give it to friends and contingent that say, hey, I'm gonna give you this free bottle, but I need you to tell me what's good about it, what's bad about it. And then use that feedback either at his site, you know, maybe he can take some photos of his friends using it, holding it with a quote, and kind of that is a good way to source your testimonials uh, and quotes. You don't need to go to like a hundred or a thousand bloggers online. You can just start with 10 people that you know. You know, I think the most important thing is that people want to know that whatever testimony and quotes they're reading are from real people. Because you see a lot of stuff on Amazon now where people are like, you know, kind of these fake reviews or kind of incentivized reviews that are people, you know, saying, hey, I got a free product, but I love this gardening tool. I actually, you know, probably don't do much gardening, but it was a free tool because I was in a review club blah, 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 things like that. So like, I think the more real you can get a testimonial, the better it is because like, people are online now, they want honest advice, they wanna read honest reviews, and you know, if you can get that for them, hey, why not? Okay, final thing, logistics, shipping and manufacturing. So sometimes I'll see a crowdfunding page like, hey, I'm trying to make this clothing line, uh, I need to raise money, so give me money. And it's like two paragraphs max, and of course there's zero dollars funded. And obviously there's way more stuff that they didn't think through, and I think put up a quick project to get some money, but a lot of this comes down to logistics, right? I think there was a quote that says, uh, amateurs talk tactics, but professionals talk logistics. I think it was some war quote somewhere I heard about. But basically, 
logistics. So timeline, um, you know, how far are you in the sampling process? Do you have a sample ready? Are you actually ready to manufacture? Uh, what happens if you hit the minimum goal? Is that enough to actually carry through this one? What if you, you know, hit your goal by 10 times? How does that change the cost as you manufacture? And what are the different scenarios have you thought about kind of on the back end when you go into this project too? Because the one thing is manufacturing is that the more detail you can get with your costs and your logistics, the easier it is, the more clarity you have too. If you're, if you say I'm going to raise money in July and I'm going to deliver it in August, that's a very, very aggressive timeline because a Kickstarter doesn't give you the money until like two weeks later. So you pot, you can't possibly deliver unless you're going to front your own money to manufacturing yourself. Right? So part of this is also knowing that, look, you know, once you finish your project, what happens next? You got to wait for payments. You got to collect color, colors from people, maybe the order size, whatever, if you're doing shirts, things like that, there's all these different variables. So you really have to think through all logistics to be transparent with your backers or potential backers, because I think they want to see that, look, if I give this guy $50 or $100, he actually has a game plan. He or she actually has a game plan to lay this out and actually make this happen. Because if not, hey, they'll just go to another project and somewhere else. And so this goes back to this long held saying that you should under promise and over deliver, right? So say uh, your project, you know, it takes you six months, but you might as well say hey, it's going to take nine months and then you deliver it in eight months. And it looks like, you know, you send everyone, you finished early, you look awesome, you look like a rock star, everyone's happy because uh, most people are delaying their projects on Kickstarter, even mine when I built in some Slack too. So you can always deliver early, but asking for more time is not good. Uh, lesson learned personally here. All right, so those are kind of the five tips. They're a little bit more abstract, but I think they're the big picture questions that you got to answer as you go into a campaign. So the first one is story. Uh, why should this exist? Do you truly care about this? What impact are you trying to make? What pain point does this solve? Does it provide pleasure? Does it solve pain? Uh, all this stuff. What's your USP? Um, how are you going to get this message out and communicate this message as a theme uh, to your to your backers? And so two is a product. How does it work? How can you communicate the benefits and features in three to five bullets? Ideally, one-liner sentence, really quick to get people's interest. And then three, photography, media assets, videos. So how can these assets like video, photography help tell your story, whether it's through lifestyle images, hero images, product images, things like that too. And number four that also adds to this is quotes and testimonials. You know, what are people saying about your product? You know, is there anyone famous you can get to talk about it? Um, what are some blogs saying? What are some magazines saying? And how can you collect these during the sampling process? Number five, logistics, shipping, and manufacturing. Um, think through every step of your campaign, you know, really write down what needs to be done, work out a timeline from start to finish, and then build in some time buffers on that and really build in a lot of slack because delays happen. Maybe a five day delay is nothing here, but it pushes everything back two weeks because things need to get rescheduled, requoted, you know, rates expire, all this stuff. So it's always better to under promise and over deliver. So that's it for kind of my five elements of a successful crowdfunding campaign page and uh, hope this helps. Thanks again for tuning in this episode. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Clavio, an email marketing tool that lets you make more money with your store through super targeted and relevant email campaigns. So one thing that's cool is that they can analyze your shopping cart, order history, even on-site behavior of your website visitors, and then you can send smarter emails that are more targeted and even personal. So whether that's upselling products to people that have only purchased one ski or getting them to come back again, there's plenty of ways you can make more money by using Clavio. So sign up for them free today at klaviyo.com, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com, and it's free for your first 500 users.